Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to episode 184 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. My name is Byron. I'm here with my buddy Gary. Today we're talking about the speed of your jiu-jitsu. Gary, Speedy Gonzalez yes. over there. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. And when Byron says we're going to talk about speed and jiu-jitsu, we're not talking about methamphetamines. <laughs> um, we are talking about fast or slow slowness in jiu-jitsu. So, uh, you know, I know we probably, uh, you know, got some listeners, extra listeners that normally don't do BJJ when they heard about speed. So uh, just want to uh, clarify before uh, you go on to listen to any more of this podcast. Yeah, stay listening. If, if you came for uh, a little podcast on some pretty hard drugs, stick around for the jiu-jitsu podcast. It might change your life. You know, you're, you're probably putting yourself in a hard situation so uh gary uh, yeah, that's very, a good point byron i very, like that <laughs> interesting start to the podcast gary <laughs> yeah yeah i just wanted to clarify to make sure everybody was uh up to speed on this there no you pun go. intended nice pun there that you t- clearly intended to throw in something yes. that, I, that i intend to mention this episode is that we do have an email list it is uh not too fast and not too slow, but just right. We send you out an email once a week. And in that email will be the show notes to the podcast. It's our way to stay in contact with you guys uh, and get the show notes delivered to you at just the right speed. So uh, swing by the website, bjjbrick.com, or by our Facebook page. Enter your name and email address, and you'll be getting the emails once a week. Yes, definitely. Hey, and I'd also like to thank uh, Jason Quint, uh, one of our listeners. He uh, happened to stop by in Wichita here the other day and contacted Byron and I, and uh, we got a chance to roll. So thank you, Jason. And if you're ever up in uh, Mankato, Minnesota, um, check out uh, Mankato uh, College, uh, Mankato State, Minnesota State uh, BJJ Club, where uh, Jason's at. Thank you, Jason. Yep, and Jason, it was a pleasure meeting you, and you get to see a little bit of Gary's uh, fashion sense. He shows up in business clothes, leaves in no-gi attire, and forgets to bring any kind of other shoes to wear. So, uh, yeah, you get to see what Gary how he rolls. Hey, thanks for reminding me, Byron. <laughs> Way to enhance my self-esteem. <laughs> Gary, you look great. You know, you, the, the shoes make the man, is what some people say. I don't always believe that, but uh, you had some really nice shoes on there with your nogi when you were walking yeah. out of the building. Yep. No, you know, nogi grappling shorts, uh, dress shoes, tube socks, <laughs> and a T-shirt. You know, great attire. <laughs> Speaking of great attire, um, if you're going to dress like I was just saying, you are going to need to be very good at jiu-jitsu, and you're going to have to stick with it. Um, so one way to stick with it is check out Byron's audiobook. Um, it's called Your First Year in BJJ, two and a half hours of content, uh, walking you through your first year, uh, things you're going to encounter in your first year. Um, we've talked about it before. The first year is probably the toughest year to keep going, and we want you to keep going. And especially if you do uh, dress like I was just talking about, you're going to need to keep going. You're going to need to know how to defend yourself. So definitely check it out. It's getting great reviews. Like I said, two and a half hours of uh, content. Byron, you're, Byron, walking you through your first year of jujitsu. It's definitely going to uh, flatten your learning curve and uh, speed up your learning process. So check it out. We have a link to it on the show notes. 
We sure do. And also, if you look in the show notes, you'll find the quote of the week. Gary, what do we have this week for the quote? Well, uh, we have everybody's favorite uh, a quotator, uh, Anita Goodman. Um, Anita said, always do your best. What you plant now, you will harvest later. Gary, so I, co- I, I realize you probably need a good man. But uh, that's, that's what you were wearing leaving the academy the other day was not going to get that happen. Not going to get that done. You need to dress for success. So either uh, leave wearing sandals and kind of look like you're a little more laid back or put your business clothes back on. And that will help you find that person you're looking for, that special guy. Iron, what are we talking about? You need a good man, you said. No, that was our author, Anita Goodman. Well, that's what I'm telling you, Garrett. You're just not going to find that good man dressed in no-gi attire with business shoes. Byron, you got issues, sir. Well, the actual author of this is Og Mandino, uh, uh, American author that died in 1996. Uh, Gary mentioned this uh, author's name. It was kind of strange before the podcast started recording here. And uh, I set you up for kind of a lame joke, my friend. <laughs> Oh, boy. You know, uh, I'm getting picked on each and every week, I'm thinking. So, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm training jiu-jitsu. So, in case it goes from, you know, jokes to chokes, I'll be be prepared. (laughs) Keep working out. Keep doing jiu-jitsu. Garrett, you'll find that good man someday. Don't give up, my friend. Why, thank you. You know, I always do my best. And I always say, what I plant now, I will harvest later. There you go. That's the quote. What you... Always do your best. What you plant now, you will harvest later. Uh, what does that mean to you, Gary? Byron, well, I'm actually not a farmer, um, but I could be if I put my mind to it because we can do anything we want to do. But what we do now, you know, the habits we have now, um, you know, showing up to class on time, showing up uh, a couple times a week, drilling, you know, with your partner doing extra drilling we you know all that work we put in now we're going to harvest later which basically means down the road it's going to help us when it comes tournament time when it's going to come belt testing time you know everything we do today is going to help us tomorrow it's going to help us the next day it's going to make us better grapplers better jujitsu practitioners down the road so uh, you know we want to have good habits practice those habits do them diligently and we will reap the rewards. I think of the farmer, and you, you might see the farmer uh, taking the crop in to sell it, and just think, man, that farmer did great. It's just like watching the the grappler compete. Like, man, that person is doing great, but really you're missing what happened before that. And that's really when you're planting the seeds, you're training hard, you're, you're training those extra hours, you're studying the techniques and uh, developing a smart game, all that stuff, you'll harvest that later. That hard work that you're doing beforehand is planting and caring for the crops. You know, Byron, this is uh, changing the subject, but I just got the name, Anita (laughs) Goodman. (laughs) (laughs) I did not get that. And I'm just looking at the quote, and I was like, Anita Goodman. He got me. That's why I was telling you that you'll find that good the special uh, guy. If you keep I didn't looking, even know what you're. You... T- I just thought you were talking about Goodman. I didn't get the first name. 
That was good, Byron. <laughs> yes, you need a good man. <laughs> that was pretty good, man. <laughs> uh, talk about a – I thought – Gary, I was a little bit, I guess, too cautious because I thought you would see that joke come in a mile away. It turns out that joke hits you a mile late. And, oh, uh, <laughs> man, it, yeah, it hit me right between the eyes, and I still missed it. Uh, Anita Goodman. Yeah, that was good. The first name is really... tied into the first, meaning that you would need a good man. Yeah, I guess I didn't yep. explain it good enough, Gary. But when you explain the joke, you kill it. Yeah, so. yep, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What the heck are you talking about?" But uh, I get it now. That was that was good. That made the joke so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for spoiling your joke. I, I'm, you know, my joke getting is about as good as my jujitsu. I'm. I'm slow to the <laughs> slow to the point. Well, I did distract you with a quote. You're trying to figure out how to pre- say the quote and how to present it. And once I popped that in, you probably were still thinking about the quote. This whole quote, now I'm a little troubled because over the past couple of months, I've played several jokes on Gary. Several? And, yeah. Some of them on the podcast, some of them in real life. But what I plant now, I'll probably harvest later. I don't know what that means. I, <laughs> well, I feel that I, you, that I have a good re- amount of revenge headed my way. Oh, there, there's going to be some. So uh, better watch out. So, uh, yeah, this, this quote kind of speaks to me in my uh, shenanigans and tells me to behave myself uh, with my co-host before he gets too much of a revenge. Yep, it could happen. I'm seems like I'm in the butt of all the jokes, but I don't care. I'm uh, I, I think it's pretty funny. So <laughs> I, I'll give you that one, Byron. That was good. All right. Well, keep looking for that guy, and you'll find him someday, Gary. Yep, man. You know, the you were pretty good at this because you know when we scheduled the time today, you know we're we're recording this at eight thirty at night. I've been at work from eight to six. <laughs> I left at 6. I ran home to grab something to eat real quick. I go straight to the Y. I run home and I take a shower. I come down here and I log on at 8.29 and we're doing this at 8.30. When I was talking to Byron beforehand, he heard me still out of breath, you know, drinking a a green tea real quick just to uh, try to hydrate myself. And I hadn't had time to even relax, so I hadn't even sat down or really went over everything but even if i did go over i still wouldn't have got it but uh you know just perfect timing too byron that was uh ah. that was good i see your your play on the the theme of the week of, of speed or timing is uh also very nice there Claire, gary yeah but i didn't plan that either so uh yeah <laughs> yep but yeah speaking of speed or timing uh that is our topic of this week uh, we're going to talk about uh the speed of your jujitsu and like we said, has nothing to do with uh, uh, enhancements or drugs. I guess they're not self-enhancing drugs. They're illegal drugs, methamphetamines. We are not talking about that. Uh, so, Byron, what do we mean by uh, the speed of your jujitsu? Well, some people play a fast game and some people play a slower uh, style. And uh, some people change it up. And I think one of the main things that that people always say is, you know, your technique or strength or flexibility, but speed is definitely an element to jiu-jitsu that has uh, a pretty big effect on what you're able to do. If somebody, just imagine somebody who's twice as fast as you and, and at jiu-jitsu, they're going to be able to be a step ahead of you uh, much of the time. So that, I mean, it's similar to somebody who's twice as strong as you. 
sure, the, the person who's being fast is probably using more energy. But to be honest, the person who is that fast, using that much energy, could probably do that for a long time. That's why they're fast. That's, that's an attribute that goes with, with having that good cardio output. Uh, so uh, that's kind of my take on the basic attribute of speed. You don't always have it. You could have it now, you know, when you're younger, and you might lose it uh, further down the road. It's not something that should, you should bank on and build it as a cornerstone of your jiu-jitsu. But definitely in a competitive setting, uh, being able to move quickly is a big advantage. It might hold you back a little bit in training if you kind of blow by some things and, and don't focus on uh, really learning the details behind techniques. Gary, what do you think about just general overall topic of speed and grappling. You know, I'm kind of with you, Byron. Um, You are going to have some very fast people. And then uh, older individuals like myself, uh, you know, I know we talk to uh, Joe Thomas a lot. You know, we are going to be slower. Um, You know, that's one of my big things. I'm always uh, trying to keep contact with the person I'm training with um, or competing with because I want it. You know, if I keep contact, I can slow that down. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you're slower like myself, you really need to have better technique. Uh, you need to be more efficient, more effective, um, you know, coming into a, you know, coming out of a scramble. I, I know I'm going to be slower than everybody. I'm going to lose a scramble. So I need to make up, make that up with precise movements with really good technique. Um, and, you know, but I, I do see when I try to go faster I don't feel like I make mistakes, but I feel like I get tired quicker. Like I know you were just talking about some of those people that, you know, train really fast, move really fast. They're used to it. Um, Like you said, their output's higher, but a lot of them can go a long way like that. So, um, you know, I I do think it is two very distinct styles. And you really know – need to know, you know, how to do both of them. Even though I don't consider myself fast, I, I do need to, you know, change tempos. You can't keep the same tempo all the time. You, you do need to, uh, you know, I do need to try to go as fast, go fast at times, go slow at times, you know, and, and somewhere in between. Um, you know, I just can't stay, you know, at my tortoise pace. I, I have to uh, speed it up sometimes. Yeah, if you're doing a pressure pass, you don't need to be fast at all. Even no. if even if you have that, if you're the fastest person in your gym, and you're trying to do a pressure pass, slow things down, let them feel the pressure, and then work that pass. Same thing if you get side control or you know a position that, that you put some pressure on somebody. Uh, yeah, slow it down. Make that uh, person bear your weight. No need to be real fast right there. And uh, it, it, sure, if you're going to pass standing up and try passing, throwing the legs from side to side, or or uh, you know, real quick attacks from the guard. Throw up a couple of them in combination. Speed is your friend, but uh, you need to try to evaluate for yourself if you're a fast or slow grappler, and just kind of know that. If if everyone who grapples with you tells you to slow down a little bit, uh, you're probably going. You are probably going a little too fast. If uh, if you just seem to be getting beat to the punch all the time, and you and you just have uh, no answer for everyone else's speed. Maybe you're on the slower end of the spectrum. And there are some things you could do to, to increase your speed, but uh, is that something that you really want to work on? The same thing is flexibility or strength. Do you want to work on that and, and increase it, or do you just want to keep on doing what you're doing in jiu-jitsu? They're both fine answers. It depends on what your goals are. Yeah, and it goes back to our, 
to our quote, what you plant now, you'll harvest later. You know, you're talking about flexibility. If you want to work on your flexibility and, and you're putting in that time trying to get more flexible, you know, stretching, working on mobility movements, you know, that flexibility is going to help you in the future. Uh, same thing with strength. If you're putting in the time, you know, in the weight room, that strength will help you down the road. You know, speed. Um, if you're putting in time, drilling movements, so, you know, getting faster at those different movements, um, it's going to help you, you know, in the future. You are going to get faster. Out of a lot of the attributes we talk about, uh, strength, speed, flexibility, uh, knowledge, I think speed is the most fickle. It will leave you at a quicker rate. You, you always have a certain amount of strength that you're going to maintain. Even as you get older, you get that older person's strength. Uh, if you're flexible, a lot of times you can maintain that into your older age. Uh, but speed is something that seems to be uh, a little bit harder to keep uh, going down the road long term. You could you could maintain a high level of speed compared to people in your age category, but uh, it, sometimes it's a little harder. And I don't really know where the age you know kind of thing breaks it, at 35 or 45 or 55. You know, as really falls off there somewhere it does for people, and uh, but that's one that. If you're really banking on it heavy now, uh, you might want to occasionally slow some things down and uh, and to just feel like what it is like to grapple a little slower. Well said, Byron. Let's just say we have a younger athlete here. What would be a good reason that they should slow things down a little bit if they are going – I say younger like, this, like they're going faster. But let's say we have a faster grappler here. What would be a good reason that they should slow things down and, and uh, go a little bit slower? You know um – First of all, I think one thing is, especially if you, you know, you're not, you know, top notch, which, you know, you're talking a younger person is probably not a, a black belt by now. Um, you know, when I'm thinking younger, I'm thinking 14, 15, 16 years old. But but I do think you miss some stuff um, trying to go too fast. Um, you know, I know one of my, my very first instructor, John Castillo, used to always tell me to slow down. And you know, I started this sport at 35, so um, I can't say that I was fast at 35, and I can't say I'm fast right now, but I think I tried to be fast. I I attributed being good at jiu-jitsu to being able to do stuff fast. I, I would watch competitions and watch, uh, you know, some of these top-level 22, 25-year-olds, you know, pulling off these moves, you know, with lightning speed, and I would equate you know, that speed, to, I have to do stuff, you know, that quick to be a good jujitsu artist. And so I would try to do everything fast. And while I was working so hard on doing everything fast, I missed a lot of the basics that I needed to do. I was trying to do shortcuts, I guess, to make the move faster, uh, you know, forgetting hand positioning, forgetting, you know, like Byron said, if you're passing, you know, with a pressure pass, you know, I was more worried about passing than I was about keeping that pressure on the person and, you know, trying to, uh, you know, punish that person, you know, with the, with the pressure. And I missed a lot of stuff. Um, in scrambles, I would just, you know, just try to be very fast, but I would miss that arm dangling or that leg dangling or that neck dangling, you know, in the middle of the scramble. I, I didn't see a lot of stuff. And, you know, I, I never really understood when I first started what John was always telling me to do, slow down. Um, you know, slow down, you'll see stuff. And as I start seeing that stuff and getting better, then I can slowly start ramping the speed up and uh, trying to get up to that 
original pace that I was keeping. So, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons to slow down just to uh, get better technique and make sure you do everything properly and, and not miss any of the opportunities that show up uh, during your roll. Yeah, that's great advice, Gary. I, I think about even that pressure pass where you're you're trying to slow things down and pass and really kind of wear the person out a little bit as you do the pass. Also, while you're doing that pass, start to think about where their arms are. Take the time to uh, kind of arrange their arms in a way that when you do pass the side control, their arms are way out of position. If you just fly past the guard and, and just happen to jump there or you know something really quickly – their arms might be in a great spot to escape really quick. So uh, you kind of are playing a game there that the slow, deliberate passer it might end up in a better position in side control than the person who is just trying to pass very quickly and uh, kind of make a scramble out of their pass. Uh, both are effective passes. I'm not going to debate that. But uh, there's just some things that you don't think about. You always think, you would think, if I could be faster, I'd be better. Well, at some things, you'd be better. But sometimes it's a smart move to slow down, even when you're competing, especially when you're learning. If you're in the, the exploration phase of learning the technique and you're going to do them real fast, you're probably making a ton of mistakes like Gary was talking about. You probably should slow things down, find the details, and uh, really get those hammered into your brain and your body before you increase the speed. Yeah, and you know, I kind of like what you said about uh, you know as you're passing. You know, it's not like we just want to put the pressure on and then pass. We want to make sure when we're passing, we get the arms out of place. You know, our goal isn't just to pass the guard. I mean, sure, we're going to get some points and sure, we're going to be in a better position. But do we really want to pass the guard and let that guy have his hands, you know, where he wants them to be? You know, we want arms out of place. We want legs out of place we want you know hips turned the other way you know we want to put ourselves in the most advantageous position when we pass and we want to be able to keep that pressure on too while we're you know after we've passed to uh, punish that person a little bit more to make it hard to breathe to make it hard to move what we want to do is we want that person you know first of all to to start getting tired from being smashed but then secondly you know use all their energy and and make a a terrible move and expose an arm or something trying to get out um, as a last-ditch effort, and we take that. So you brought up a good point there, Byron, that when we do pass, we you know, why go too fast? We, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we get to get our opponent out of position, put him in a, and put us in an advantageous position, and then where, where they're, they're weak. Uh, we want them at the weakest uh, part, of their, part of their game. Yeah, there are disadvantages to slowing down, though. I mean, that uh, things won't flow as well for you. Uh, you. You may not be able to transition in time. For, you know, a lot of jujitsu, especially competitive jujitsu, no matter what level you're at, timing is a big factor. And if you're going slower, they're going to have that advantage on timing, and uh, they're just going to. Why would they not take that advantage? So uh, definitely, uh, there are times to speed up and times to slow down. Yeah, and we talked about, you know, changing that pace. Um, you know, a lot of times I consider myself, a, a, you know, on the slower side of rolling. And, you know, people know my game. Uh, you know, I try to keep a tight game, uh, you know, when I'm passing, you know, if I have your back and stuff. Um, but as you know, Byron, I, once I get into an advantageous position, 
I'm not as tight because I, I really look for submissions. So I want you to move a little bit so I can grab something. I, I don't stay that tight in that position. But what I've noticed is that the tempo change where, you know, people are used to me, you know, being a little bit slower. And then as I explode for something, I think I, I catch them off balance. You know, we may have been rolling for three minutes and, and everything's taking, taking place at a pace that's slower than what that person is used to used to going it's kind of in my realm and then all of a sudden you know i kind of explode for something and i think i catch them off guard they they get kind of get used to a slower tempo and then you know i speed it up a little bit so you know changing that pace you know i I think uh you know can be advantageous yeah that's a good tip there kind of uh not necessarily go super slow to kind of lull them asleep, but just let them get into the rhythm that you're grappling in and then slam on that accelerator just for a second or two even. It could be longer and you'll you'll catch them by surprise. And that's a good thing to to do to people is catch them by surprise. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of talked about uh, scrambles uh, in a in a previous episode, but you know it's, it kind of reminds me of a scramble. We're we're going the, the pace is really slow, and then all of a sudden uh, we're kind of nobody's at an advantageous position, but we're going crazy like a, a mouse in a in a circular wheel, just pedaling away as fast as he can. And you know that's kind of what a scramble reminds me of. But you know the the pace slows, and then all of a sudden it explodes, and you know. Finally, somebody comes out that scramble and wins and, and establishes position that slows down again. Um, so, um, you know, there are going to be uh, tempo changes, you know, during the match. Gary, a big part of speed and jiu is being able to control the pace. Uh, some positions lend themselves more towards a quicker pace. Uh, it might, you might look at stand-up and think that's, that's the place you have to have a little bit of speed to do well. You might uh, look at uh, close guard and say, hey, it's a slow-paced guard, and uh, both the passer and slower are going to be very. Both the passer and guard player are going to have to be pretty deliberate with their movements in this position. So it, it's not just the person or the players; it's also the particular game that they're locked into at the moment. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I you know, as we were talking about this topic, I, I never even really thought about that. But you are right. Uh, some of those positions are going to, you know, lead to either going a little slower, or a little bit faster. Yeah, look at the the footlock race sometimes people get involved in. And and people are rolling around and and trying to lock up feet and kicking feet and and lots of going on. Uh, Play that game slowly and your light will just get tapped out. Uh, You're going to get tapped out. (laughs) You have to match the pace of the the, the person. If you can't, it's going to be a good idea to change the game and and to not play that sort of a a game and and change it to something that that is a little more controlled gary what are some ways you could control the speed either i don't know increase it or slow it down what are some some ways you could do this well you know i guess i'm a little bit better at uh slowing it down um but you know i I think one of the things is uh distance um i notice me being a little bit slower if i give distance to my opponent if if my opponent and myself are are a ways from each other we are not you know touching we are not you know entangled that 
to me is an advantage for the faster person. Um, I'm always trying to slow the pace down. So I always like to be touching. I try to be close to my opponent. Um, you know, not too close where, you know, I'm going to get thrown or, or whatever, but you know, I want to have good grips. Um, you know, I know I'm not a huge gi guy, but you know, grips are very important, uh, in no gi, um, you know, grip, same thing. I, I want, I like to have wrist control or I like to have an underhook, uh, you know, a collar tie, even, uh, you know, ties with your legs, a butterfly hook, uh, you know, anything just to, to keep me, you know, in contact with my opponent. Um, and, uh, I feel like I can, uh, uh, slow it down to, to be more advantageous for myself. Gary, I'm going to, let's play a little game here. I'm going to throw a position out at you and you tell me if it's fast or slow or kind of in the middle. <laughs> we'll see okay, what we get. I, I have a feeling that you're probably, uh, set me up for another joke but uh, i'll go along with it well uh, i don't have one yet but we'll see because uh, this is ever... not on our uh, outline no it's so not I but uh... that i'm uh, uh getting thrown under the bus but here i have answers to these and uh, if i disagree with you i'll say something and if not we'll just assume that i agree with you half guard is that slow or fast i personally think half guard is slow yeah typically uh half guard is slow uh standing at a distance Standing at a distance is fast, um, and uh, it's funny. I've got a training partner who's got an incredible double leg blast, and I know every time he gets when we're standing and he gets a little bit of space, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a ride. So uh, I do anything possible to uh, close that distance. But I say fast. How about standing, uh, kind of a head and arm tie up? Uh, standing with a head and arm tie up, you know. I could say that's fast. Um, you know, I do think it could be slowed down, but normally if you got a, you know, head and arm, you're, you're talking wrestling, you're going to throw somebody, throw somebody onto the mat. So, I mean, it's going to be explosive movement. Yeah, I agree. That is fast. Uh, let's go, let's do some guards here. Uh, butterfly guard, is that a fast or slow position? You know, I've seen it both ways. I guess it could be in the middle. Uh, myself, I kind of use it to slow down. Um, I I kind of look for sweeps off of that. Uh, um, but I, I do see a lot of people with a butterfly guard sliding under somebody and, and you know taking a leg, um, which I think is a, a pretty fast movement. Now, how about a, a gi guard, Gary? So picture yourself in a gi, which is unusual, uh, but uh, you'll have sleeves on and they can put you yep. in a spider guard. You know, spider guard, definitely slow. Um, you know, I do have to break the grips if I'm put into it. Um, if I'm the one doing it, you know, I, I do have to get very good grips. I, I do have to get, uh, you know, my feet in position, and I do think that is slow. Close guard. Close guard is slow. Um, you know, it's uh, really trying to control the pace. and But, you know, we, we talk about it slow. There are some very explosive movements, um, you know, throwing a, throwing a triangle up out of a close guard. I mean, a triangle can go either way. You know, sometimes it's like a, uh, a snake, uh, you know, very slow waiting, you know, slowly squeezing pressure and getting to the position. Or, you know, I, I still never forget watching Jason Bircher show me a triangle one day. And he's just sitting there, and all of a sudden he just pops his leg up, and he's got me in a triangle. It reminded <laughs> me of a uh, that a frog, you know, where the tongue goes out and catches a, a fly. So, you know, and I also think about arm bars. You know, sometimes uh, you're in a closed guard, and somebody puts an arm down, and you may not 
it may not be a very slow, deliberate, you know, giving no space armbar. You're just going to attack what what you have. But I think it's mostly slow, but uh, there are some fast aspects to it. Yeah, I think part of that is, I agree with you, mostly slow, but it, a lot of it's controlled by the guard player. If you want to have a, a spider guard and you just want to do a lot of movement and a lot of setups and some fakes and then throw on to something, uh, that could be kind of a fast thing. Same thing with closer. You could really move your hips a lot and kind of push them around a bit and really speed things up. But likely... Uh, it's a slower pace thing, which you're able to control. So on those particular guards, I would say they tend to be slower, but it, it, there's definitely a gray area there that can be controlled by uh, largely by the person on the bottom. Uh, guard passing from the knees. Guard passing from the knees. I'm I'm going to say uh, a slow. Um, you know, I'm looking at uh, pressure passing, and um, you know, just trying to. Uh, get an advantageous position and uh, put my opponent in the worst possible position, and and I'm probably going to move uh, very slow. Guard passing from the kind of a medium range, standing up? That I would say fast. Uh, you know, there's there's some leg pummeling. There's, uh, you know, controlling, uh, you know, pant grips and, and stuff like that as I throw them out. Um, but I would want some speed into that. Yeah, and for the bottom player, if you're able to get a, a couple of pant grips or a pant grip and a, and a grip up high, uh, it could definitely slow things down. Yes, but yep. uh, it's advantageous for the person on the bottom and for the person who's trying to you know throw up a good sweep real quick or a threaten submissions to use a little bit of speed in that spot. How about guard passing from a distance, like you're trying to kind of throw the legs to side to side or, or run around a little bit? You know, that's definitely speed right there, um, You know, especially if you're throwing something down and I mean, both sides, as, as I throw the legs to one side, I'm really trying to, uh, you know, control your hips, get around and control your hips. And, and the person who gets their legs thrown are, are trying to recapture guards. So, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, very fast movements. For me, I could answer this question. It's not a very good uh, question. So uh, most sweeps, are most sweeps fast or slow? You know, that's a crappy question, Byron. <laughs> yeah, it is. I agree. I mean, it, it, you get swept sometimes in slow motion. It's like, I can't get my arm out. I'm stuck. My leg can't move. And you get swept. And some sweeps, yeah. it's like you get thrown to the ground and you land hard yeah. and there's nothing you could do about it either. So I would say, you know, they're on the faster side. But but I do know what you're talking about, you know, slow speed. And, and sometimes I think when I get swept, even though it's a really fast sweep, I, I feel like it's moving in slow motion. And it's kind of weird because I'm having so much fun getting swept and like I have a smile on my face and, and I'm just like congratulating the other guy without saying anything. It's, you know, that big smile and it seems like everything's moving in slow motion and, and I'm just like, man, that guy just got me big time and like I'm so happy about it. I was like, that is so neat, so cool of a move and it feels like it's moving in slow motion, but, but it's not. Let's uh, kind of pass and end up going to turtle guard. How is turtle guard uh, for the bottom person fast or slow? The bottom person definitely slow, um, but uh, I don't know. I really don't play turtle much, but you know, I would say slow. <laughs> yeah, and for the top, uh, you could try to increase the speed. I think what's nice about turtle on top is you could introduce a little bit of confusion sometimes because they can't really see. Yeah, what you're move doing one so side well. to the other side. Yeah. yeah, if they can't see what you're doing, uh, which a lot of times they can't because looking at the ground, uh, you might be able to kind of surprise them with something, and speed helps with that. Yep, and it's poking people in the eyes will also make it a little bit harder for them to see, too, and you can use that confusion there, too. And they'll probably slow down when their eyes get all watery, Carrie. Yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, basic side control, is that a fast or slow place to be? 
You know, slow pace. Uh, you know, I've passed. I've got a great position. I'm going to uh, put some pressure on and uh, start looking uh, to attack a limb. Let's uh, pull over the car right there, Gary. Uh, for the bottom person, I think you want it to be a faster place. You want to encourage uh, a little bit of distance would encourage some oh, bit yes. of a scramble. Uh, for the top yeah. person, slow it down, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the bottom person, definitely. I'm trying to uh, create space. I'm trying to get my hips out. You know, once I do get a little bit of spot, I, you know, I want to go. I need to move quickly. Um, I do not want that person to take that space back and uh, smash me some more. So once I get a little bit of space, I've got to go quick. I've got to go. i got to be explosive. G- Gary kind of hinted in a little tip there. Once he has that space, he goes. Uh, one of my things I get on people a lot that are trying to escape is you're doing a lot of movements and not really actually generating any sort of uh, efficiency with those. Uh, get your hands in the right spot. No big hurry. You know, be, stay safe. Protect your neck. Get get where you need to be and get your legs where you want them. And then go. And when it's time to go, you should go uh, put some energy to it. You're not going to escape magically. You need to have some force and some energy behind the escape. Uh, but if your hands aren't right and if it's not your legs aren't in the right position – no reason going 100 miles an hour to get him there uh, and just kind of spazzing out. Calm down, get in position, set up your escape, and then pull the trigger and ex- try to escape uh, with what you can there. Uh, Gary, from the back, is that a is that a slower, fast place typically? You know, typically, uh, uh, boy, I, you know, I, I'd say slow on both sides. You know, I I have your back. I'm trying to control position i I don't want you to uh to get out i don't want any space before i go for the submission then i'm going to explode normally um but you know defensive too i guess you know defensive could be either way i do see some people explode out of it but i'm a different type of a guy defensively in a guard i i do go a little bit slower i'm trying to you know protect my neck uh, trying to move off the center line and uh um, I guess I'm not very explosive in that position, so I'm going to say defensively I'm slow there also. Yeah, and it's okay to, to do – I mean that the back is kind of an interesting position where you could uh, you know hop on their back real quick and, and like Gary, when he takes your back, he literally starts choking you before even both hooks are in. Like he's getting the hooks in and the choke's also getting sunk in. Uh, he's, he's back there literally doing a ton of damage all at once. And – that seems very fast to me sometimes. It's like, man, I didn't even realize he had my back, and now he does, and now he has a choke as well. Uh, but I, as the person who's trying to get out, it seems like anytime I'm stuck in a submission, I try to slow things down a little bit and then work my way out. Some people do the opposite. They increase the speed, they step on the gas, and it's either I get out now or I don't. And if I don't, I'm going to tap in a few seconds. And And I don't know what's right or wrong, and maybe it just depends on the situation. Sometimes I slow things down and it ends up costing me, uh, you know, getting tapped out. Sometimes I slow things down and they get a little tired or I get my escape just right and I and I get out of it relatively, relatively unscathed. So uh, how about this, Gary? Basically stuck in a submission. What is your preferred speed when trying to, to weasel <laughs> your way out of there? You know, when I'm stuck in a position, I'm moving. Uh, you know, I'm trying to explode out of that. Um, you know, I, I do see slowness but you know and and, you know grabbing an inch you know every now and then but i i think the problem with that is 
it's a numbers game. It's a waiting game, and and all the advantages with the offensive guys. So, you know, when when I get put in a arm bar, or I'm trying to explode out of there, I'm trying to roll really quick, or trying to uh, create a little bit of space to get my elbow, you know, to the mat. But um, there, I'm going to explode with everything I got. Yeah, picture your side control escapes are so fast that nobody could really hold you in side control for more than a few seconds. Yeah. Well, in competition mode, you have to hold it for three seconds. If you can't hold somebody there and they escape that quickly, you really never pass their guard. And that's uh, that's a good thing to do. As they're escaping, or as they're passing your guard, escape right now, and you've maintained guard, even though they might have got a complete pass. Uh, so I definitely urge people to escape quickly, especially in those transition periods that aren't favoring you. Uh, get out of there now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, I know, Byron, you are very, very quick in, in a lot of those positions. And, you know, one of the things Byron always told me, you know, is to work on that quickness. And and I just never forget, like, what you would always tell me about how fast you were, how you'd always <laughs> say that what you would do is every night before you go to bed, as soon as you got to your room, you would turn the light switch off and you would be in bed under the covers before the lights were out. And I just never could understand how quick you could be to do that, you know, until I went over to your house and I saw how bad your electrical wires were inside your house. <laughs> and uh, then I totally understood. Nice. I don't know where you go with that. But, uh, yeah, bad wiring uh, increases your speed by like 50%, Kerry. Yeah. But, you know – you. No joke uh, on this one, but, you know, you're talking about bad wiring, and, and we've talked with Daniel Coyle about myelin, you know, and how your how your brain works and your nerves and everything, and and uh, myelin, uh, how do you explain myelin again, Byron? Uh, myelin is like the, it's literally, Gary, the material between your neurons and your brain. Yeah. And that and, will get thicker as you practice and train, so actually information can go quicker between things. Faster. So yeah. People say muscle so, uh, memory, but it's actually just myelin is building and getting stronger. You're getting faster internet cables in your brain, and yeah. that's why things feel easy for you. Yeah, it's just, you know, as you, you do so many escapes over and over again, that myelin between, between your neurons just gets thicker and stronger and, like you said, a, a better connection. And, and when you really need to, uh, to do that escape, as Byron goes for the armbar, you know, my pathway is just so much faster now that I'm going to do that move quicker and, and ex- hopefully explode out of there. So uh, um, kind of reminded me as we were talking about uh, faulty wiring. So uh, <laughs> you don't want to have faulty myla- myelon either. As you're learning a brand new technique, you're building the first couple of myelon that go across. And then as you drill it, it's getting thicker. As you pull it off while you roll, it's getting even better. If it's one of your BJJ bricks, one of your best techniques, the myelin between those neurons are very thick, and it just flows. And, yep. and that's really and, what you're working on. Yep, like my my myelin is weak when somebody's playing a joke on me because I don't ever get it. <laughs> but it's going to get better and, uh, and uh, you know, stronger. You keep practicing, Gary, and I'll keep helping you. That's what okay, friends are for. thank you. Yep. <clears throat> We kind of covered a bunch of positions. There's limitless positions we could talk about, but uh, gi versus no gi, I think I know where you stand on which one's quicker or which one might be a little bit easier to to control the pace. Yeah, and you know what's kind of crazy is here I am talking about I'm, I'm a slow grappler. And one of the things I didn't like as much about no gi is I, I don't like the slower pace. I don't like uh, – um, 
uh, I guess, uh, more smashing types, you know, game. And it's kind of crazy considering I'm a slow grappler. I, I should excel at that. Instead, I, I want to do the uh, the style that's a little faster. So it uh, kind of makes no sense uh, if you're, you know, me. Well, Gary, I've heard you say that many times about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but you can slow things down in no gi. I mean, like you said, an overhook or underhook, controlling the person's head, controlling uh, their bottom leg if they're kind of on their side is a big way to, to slow them down. There's a lot of ways to slow somebody down. Uh, you know, a big one is to grab their gi, you know, control their sleeves, control their leg, control their collar, control their posture. That'll slow somebody down. And if you want to speed things up, break those grips and then you can engage your speed a little bit easier. Yeah, yep, um, definitely. Uh, no gi, uh, I think, is a little bit faster. And gi, uh, you know, just with all the different ties you can have can, you know, really slow the game down. But, you know, you watch some of these high-level competitors and, uh, you know, even in the gi, you see some incredible speed uh, speed out there. Yeah, one of the I'd say one of the biggest things, if you want to, like, have a fast gi match and to really uh, be able to use your speed in a competitive setting in gi, be quick with your with your grip breaks. Break the grip. Yes, be strong. Yep. Be and, and be all over those, and that will allow you to flow at a high rate of speed. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But if if you can't break those grips, it's going to be a a slow match. So, Gary, thinking about the long term effects, those people grapple for years and years and a lifetime. What would be some long term effects of grappling fast you're just a high-paced person that's fine you like to grapple fast all the time what would be some good or bad long-term effects of grappling at a fast speed well you're gonna have a low body fat percentage because you're gonna burn a lot more calories so you're probably gonna look good with your shirt off so i guess that would be a definite advantage um but you know i i don't know you know i the first thing that came to my mind but i don't even know if this is true or not i was thinking you know i could probably grapple a little bit longer um, you know, with a slower pace, but I don't know if that's even necessarily true. I mean, I look at a lot of these very fast paced people and, and they're very technical. Um, I don't see a lot of injuries and, um, you know, so I don't, I don't know if, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's true or not. If, uh, you know, it just, the first thing I thought was by going slow, you know, I'd probably be able to, uh, you know, have less injuries and train longer, but I don't know if that's even, you know, even valid. I think that there might be something to that. I think uh, if you if you were to have a room full of people going really fast and a room full of people going slow, you'd expect there to be a few more injuries coming out of the quick room. Even just just training in a on a crowded mat space, you're gonna get more people kicked in the head, you know, on an accident, and and more people that are scrambling and that sort of thing. So I think there might be something to avoiding injuries by just going a little bit slower. You know, one thing I've noticed too, uh, you know, when I do try to go faster, I gas easier. So, you know, I, I guess the people that, you know, go at a, at a higher pace, you know, are going to be able to do it longer, probably do have a deeper gas tank than me. Um, I, I do feel like I can, you know, a lot of times I roll an hour straight, no problem. But, you know, the, I do slow the pace down to myself. If, if I get a, it depends on who I roll with. The, the guy I was talking about earlier that kills me with that double leg blast, you know, I'll go an hour with him and 
the first 30 minutes, I'm great. The last 30 minutes, he's killing me because uh, he's still got the gas tank and mine, mine isn't there. But, you know, there's other people I roll and, you know, I'll do a set an hour time limit on and, and I'm okay. It's, uh, I think that, you know, the person who rolls faster is going to have a better gas tank. And, and if they can control the pace, they're going to put the other person in deep water. Yeah, and from a competitive standpoint, uh, you could feel when that happens to somebody. You feel that you know the first three minutes, you know he's going good, and then something happens, and it felt like the guy just kind of lost whatever extra energy he was using, and it's almost a different person out there. And yeah. if you could not be that person, be the one that still is able to push through that, push the pace, really put them into that deep water, and uh, hold them there for a little while, uh, that's a huge advantage. And yeah, it's great to hold their head underwater or maybe even waterboard them, you know, just put them in a worse position. Well, we're not uh, endorsing any sort of activities that aren't just choking <laughs> people, breaking their arms or breaking their legs or perhaps a good spine lock, Gary. Okay, That's yeah. That's what we're definitely. endorsing here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing mean, you know. But, yeah, uh, th- there's a lot. Speed is, is definitely something that you should think about. Um, how could somebody – I don't think it's hard or tricky other than maybe a mental thing to slow down. Like just slow yourself down. I say that and then I go too fast. So uh, you you have the physical traits to slow down. Whether you can do it or not, maybe you're too competitive to do it even while you're training. Uh, but that would be something that you could do pretty easy. How could somebody be able to speed up, Gary? What would they need to be doing? Well, you know, I, I think it's the same thing. Um, you know, you just have to tell yourself – you know, to go faster. Um, and, and I, I do try to do rounds like that with myself. Um, you know, try to go a little bit faster sometimes and, and not just changing pace. Some days I, I just say, I, I want to try to roll a little bit faster. And, and you, you, you just got to mentally, you know, just try to turn the, turn the speed up. And the one thing that I notice if you're a little bit of slower grappler to trying to turn that, that pace up, you know, if you start getting, tired you know because you're not used to that pace it does become you know very mental in there where you know you're trying mentally to to keep pushing yourself because you do get exhausted a little bit quicker yeah i uh, you could hit the hit the weights and do some uh some interval training you know do some running at, at high speeds and slow speeds and high again uh try to change your actually your body and make it a, a fast machine you're working with and uh, that might help you out a little bit. Um, definitely the cardio. If you keep going fast and you go fast for a minute and then you gas out, uh, you're hitting a wall on that part. So increase that aspect of your jujitsu to be able to maintain that speed uh, that you have. Um, yeah, and some, and, and maybe if you just want to get faster, play a different style of game that lends itself to being a faster person and just force yourself to be in those situations and to scramble and to work hard and to, and to use that speed. Another thing that people think is speed, but it's actually a little bit different, is being able to anticipate your opponent. Yes. Yeah, that, that's that's a really big one. Uh, and, I, I mean, it, it comes with time. Um, you know, you're not going to have it right off the bat. But, you know, the more time you spend on the mat, the more you feel the little nuances of grappling. And, and I, I started f- saying, man, I, I'm starting to get this when you can feel – you know, somebody's weight's a little bit off or, you know, that, and you roll them at that point or, or, you know, you know where the moves are coming next and, you know, you're thinking a move or two ahead and, 
and that's what I was I kind of was talking about when I'm trying to say I'm trying to be a little more efficient uh, than the, the person I'm going against who's who's faster. I'm trying to uh, anticipate where they're going and kind of cut corners and hopefully get there before at the same time, even though I am slower. So, uh, you know, I do think that's a, a, a great, you know, it is different than speed. It's you're kind of using using your brain a little bit um, to, to make up for that difference. Hate it when you have to do that, Gary. Yeah, yeah, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, but it does. You you could seem a lot faster and get the same results by being able to anticipate your opponent, and it's a lot easier to anticipate your training partners because you know what they're going to yeah, do. Yeah, you a lot know of where times. it's going. They, they, but even even somebody you don't know, if you've been on the mat a lot and you have very good mat awareness, you can just feel the pressure. You can feel the angles and and. Your body just moves. You you kind of just know by you know where the pressure's coming from, or or the angle that person's at, where they're going next, and uh, that's in my opinion, that's the, my most fun part about jujitsu is uh, you know trying to anticipate and kind of getting some scrambles and, and that, and uh, you know even though I may be a little slower, you know winning that scramble. Yeah, and another way you could seem really fast is to lead them down a path, you know, like close the yeah, other options yep. for them, make them think that they're doing this thing that they're doing, they're turning a certain way, or they're putting their hands here because they want to, but really it's where you want their hands to be, or you want them to turn that direction, and then uh, the techniques that you have ready to lined up, ready and lined up for them will seem very quick because they had no idea they were there. So uh, I think that's a good way, and that's a way that knowledge could kind of trump speed or knowledge can uh, make up for speed and make you get the same results. Yeah, you know, like you said about knowledge there, you know, will trump out a lot of stuff. And, you know, our, you know, author of the quote, Anita Goodman, also had another quote that said, knowledge is power, you know, so it kind of goes along with that. You know, knowledge will, you know, allow you to, uh, you know, get an advantageous position on your your partner yep knowledge is speed and power yep there you go gary said that one who said that one gary i think oh gary yeah okay yeah yep he knows anita goodman (laughs) well uh speaking of smart people gary we have a another great article by our friend joe thomas why don't we get him on the line and discuss the article let's do it Today, we have another awesome article from our partner here at BJJ Brick, uh, Joe Thomas. Uh, This one is positional sparring, uh, getting the most out of it. And um, Joe, thank you again for uh, taking time out and coming on our show. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you all doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Yep. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Great. Great. So, Joe, talk to us a little bit about your article uh, on positional sparring. Okay, uh, I don't know about you guys, but this is actually one of my favorite aspects of training. Um, I feel being an older guy, it's a, it can be a little bit more slow-paced. It's uh, way less risk of any kind of freak accident, and it allows me to focus on particular moves. And I enjoy it, and I see uh, a lot of benefit from other people as well, so... Uh, it's kind of the, the fills in the gap between drilling uh, a couple techniques and uh, all-out live sparring. Joe, I'm kind of with you on that too. I positional sparring really helps me out a lot. Uh, like uh, I know you said uh, last uh, last show, you know, old guy problems, but I, I think it allows us to, uh, 
you know, save our body a little bit, but, you know, keep rolling through everything, uh, going a little bit faster, but, you know, not 100%. And, um, you know, just saving our body for, uh, you know, so we can train longer. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so. it, it, it's a great way to uh, really highlight one area of your game and drill down and work on that a ton. I think the, the example I use with this the most is how to escape a triangle and then also for the person on the bottom, how to finish that triangle. Because really, if you think about it, how many minutes in the past month have you been stuck in a triangle fighting to get out? You know, maybe five, ten, if it's, if it's a lot, you know? Or you have someone who likes really triangling you and it takes a while to finish it. Uh, you could spend ten minutes right now, you know, stuck in a triangle. And either you get out ten times or you get submitted ten times or whatever. But that is time that it would take you on your triangle escape months to accumulate. And you could do it right now, you know, within within the matter of actual time that it just starting in that position and and grabbing people with different skill levels, asking for advice. Your escape from that position or your ability to finish that triangle is going to skyrocket with that with that really deliberate practice in that particular area. And you can do this with any spot. It doesn't need to be triangle. It could be a particular guard pass or a particular gi choke or whatever. Uh, if you get a good training partner with you and you say, hey, I want to work on this a little bit. And then it's also polite, I think, to offer them the uh, reverse of it. Let them try the offense or the defense while uh, you kind of flip-flop positions or let them work on something else that they want to work on. So I really am a big advocate of traditional of positional sparring. Well, Byron, I remember, uh, you know, years ago, every Friday night, we would do that. Uh, me, you, and maybe another guy or two would get together. And I remember you always wanted to start, you know, triangle, fully locked triangle uh, or getting out of it. And, uh, you know, my offense and defense got 100 times better. So definitely help me out. Yeah, I think I've mentioned to you guys that my uh, coach at my home gym is really uh, intellectual and analytical about the way he approaches instruction. And one thing that he does is every night the technique that he teaches is followed by positional sparring starting in that position. So if he teaches an arm bar from the guard, then we do a couple rounds, short rounds of positional sparring starting in the guard and switch top to bottom position. So in my first point in the article, uh, uh, something people might want to consider doing when they're positional sparring is try the technique that was taught in class that night. I don't see it happen often, but anytime I'm positional sparring with somebody and they attempt the technique that was taught that night, I always compliment them on it and tell them I like to see that. There's no better time than when it's fresh in your mind to uh, try and catch that in a more live environment. Joe, I really like that. Um, What I really liked is what you said about how you compliment the person who tried the move. And, you know, I know you talked about it in the last uh, the article on drilling, you know, you were talking about, you know, how you're trying to, you know, help the people who are just starting and, you know, compliments go a long way. It's tough to stay in this sport. And, you know, there are probably a lot of people at your gym who look up to you. And I know you said that, you know, you don't feel like you're the guy to teach everybody, but you're, you're a role model to a lot of people. And when they, you know, get that compliment, it it's, you know, that's what great training partners do. They help each other out. And, you know, just hearing you say that, it just made me realize that anybody who trains with you is a lucky person. You know, you're a great training partner. Well, I appreciate that, Gary. Sure, I'm sure it's the same at your gym, so. Well, Byron wouldn't say that. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's because you never compliment him. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Gary, maybe it's you. Um, <laughs> another thing you have on your list here is focus on accomplishing your goal more than preventing the other person uh, from accomplishing theirs. And, and that is uh, maybe not the most practical way to compete, but you're still, you know, you're in a learning environment. You want to get the most out of your positional sparring. It's okay if they're learning too and your, your defenses are down a little bit while you're doing this type of uh, training. Yeah, certainly none of these points are applicable 100% of the time. You know, the next one I put, always making progress towards your goals and not getting hung up in a stagnant position like quarter guard or something. Uh, same with the, the one you just mentioned, Byron. If I was preparing for a tournament, I might look at this a little bit different, and I might be training and doing everything I can to prevent my partner from passing. But if I'm really trying to learn moves and refine moves, I don't want to spend a lot of time just stuck in a stagnant position during training. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. It's, I think a big hurdle here is a lot of students have a little bit of a, a problem with figuring out that they're actually not competing while they're training or learning. And if you, know, you take yourself out of your element a little bit to try to learn something new, uh, you're not going to do as well while you're doing that. And that's okay. That's how you learn. That's how you get better. And uh, so just kind of mentally brace yourself for that. Let that ego go and uh, learn something new. And the rewards will be worth it in the long run. Yep. I asked one of the young guys at the gym last night after we got done training. I said, uh, how many matches did you win tonight? He thought about it for many. So I guess maybe I won one. And I kind of laughed. I said, wrong answer. We're here to learn. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely great. He knows I'm just kidding, but uh, yeah, there's no there's no real wins and losses on the training mat. Yeah, that it, you know it's really, I mean, it's all wins. I mean, you look at it. No matter what, you should be learning every time you go out there. It doesn't matter if you're going against the best guy in the world or the worst person in the world. You are going to learn, and that's why I love this sport so much. No matter how long I've been training, how long I've been on the mat, I'm always learning from somebody, and it doesn't matter if I'm more talented than that person or less talented. I can learn from everybody. And I think that's what makes it such a great sport. Certainly. The the last point you have on here is definitely a good one when mentioning uh, getting the most out of your positional sparring time is don't default to your comfort zone. Uh, You have to try to leave that area to develop uh, new skills that aren't in that area. And uh, positional sparring is a great way to do that. If 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 this guard technique typically gets your guard passed and you don't like having somebody in side control for five minutes, uh, positional sparring is a great way to do that because if if I try this technique, Gary passes, no big deal. We're going to start back in this technique again and I don't have to worry about trying to escape uh, a very tight side control that gives me a lot of trouble. So it's really like a, like a free pass to keep trying again and again and again to figure out what to do correctly. Yep. If you have good training partners, they're going to work with you a little bit, too. I'm always trying to accomplish my goals when I'm sparring, but if I know that my training partner is working on a uh, particular sleep or something, I might slow down a little bit and, and let them set things up and, uh, you know, kind of work with them. And then I, I know that they'll return the favor sometime when I'm trying to work on something specific. So there's a little give and take and uh, just always trying to add new things to my game. Yeah, that's the key. Uh, like you said, give and take. We're we're here to make each other better. Um, we're only going to get better by you know the people we train with. Uh, 
people look at it as it's an individual sport because you're out there on the map by yourself but you know there's no individual at all to this uh, the only reason i'm going to get better is because of training partners like joe and training partners like byron uh, the give and take like joe was just talking about we're we're all here helping each other out and making each other better and and once again as joe says train hard train smart and get better all right. Well, thanks, Joe, for hopping on here with us again. We look forward to discussing uh, your next article, which is about rolling and getting the most out of that uh, very soon. Okay. It's been a pleasure, guys. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Joe. Yep. Bye. Well, thank Joe for that one. It was great to have him back on the uh, podcast, and we'll have him back again very soon discussing another article. This is Corbett's Kids with Corbett Miller. Corbett is a black belt under Sanji and Solo Ibero. He runs an academy with over 250 kids doing jiu-jitsu. His kids' competition team is successful on multiple levels. And now he answers your questions about kids and jiu-jitsu. Corbett, are there any drills you recommend for kids uh, learning jiu-jitsu? Um, well, you know, I mean, for me, it's it's... I think there's a, a tension always between like learning and and you know uh, competing and or you know the game of jujitsu and I think it's it's important whether that's you know the uh, making it something that's not competition specific where it's you know giving them an ability to work on a, a drill or a skill and get a lot of deliberate practice which I think is really what we want for our students. We want them to be able to, to independently and deliberately practice and make sure that it's a productive practice of trying to find ways of adding random uh, randomization, for lack of a better word, into their training, whether that's you know practicing a sweep but then giving the person different ways of countering it, I think is a great way of doing it. But then, you know, just fun games, whether that's like, you know, we, we do a game where uh, – and again, this is not competition specific, but this could just be like a fun game. Stretch a rope across your school, um, you know, width wise. So, and then have the kids line up at one side of the mat, and you know, the, the mats, the rope is about a foot off the ground, and the kids have to open the person's legs and find a way of jumping over that rope without touching it. And if they touch the rope, they've got to go all the way back over and start inside the closed guard from zero. And you've got like about ten kids all trying to do this at the same time. And what does that work on? I mean, it's it's insanity. It's when the kids do it, it's just it's crazy to watch them. It's it's fun. You hear a lot of giggling, which I think is a good thing. I, I think people forget that when they're having kids drilling, they they want to you don't want to be like you don't want to be like a zoo, but you don't want to be like a, a library either. You want to be something where it's like there should be a certain amount of fun being had by the kids. And that little like uh, guard game is just a real simple example of that you'll hear giggling going on, but yet it's a controlled fun environment. You know, one of my friends, you know, in the stand-up world, he had this saying. He said, "You know, have fun, but don't act funny." There's a difference, right? So we want to make sure that we're dealing with that with the kids, especially any, any sort of drill that you might do. That's a cool idea. This has been Corbett's Kids. If you have a question for Corbett's Kids, please send it to bjjbrick at gmail.com and we will pass it along. If you have an academy and want a Stronger Kids program, please check out kidsbjjrevolution.com. You will find drills, curriculum, marketing advice, and much, much more to support your kids' program. Check us out on social media. Gary, our YouTube page is doing very well, uh, or I guess it's a more of a channel than a page. Uh, a lot of stuff on there. There's DVD reviews, uh, a section of comedy uh, stuff, 
and uh, a lot of all the podcasts are up there eventually. And so, if you want to listen to those or or check out our stuff, check us out on YouTube. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. Also, uh, check out our our uh, link to Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a website for content producers. Um, this show is not free to put on, um, so we appreciate all our supporters who uh, donate as little as uh, fifty cents a show. And uh, the Patreon website gives you an option to uh, donate per show or, you know, once a month if you want to. Um, but we appreciate anybody who, uh, you know, we appreciate all you. But, uh, you know, we also appreciate the uh, people who uh, chip a little money our way to help put the show on. So thank you. Yep. Each one is definitely noticed and appreciated. Gary, I have heard word on the street is you have a audiobook coming out, my friend. Yeah, you know, I've heard the same thing on the street. Um, don't really know what's going on with my audio book, but I, I'm sure you will let me know. Yeah. As uh, we mentioned, we had our uh, we met a new friend. His name is Jason. He came in and grappled with us. But something that we noticed <laughs> about Gary is oh, he man. wore his dress clothes to the mat, and then he left without another pair of shoes on. So he's, he's in his uh, T-shirt. He's in his uh, no-gi shorts. Uh, kind of board short style and dress shoes. Some nice brown leather dress shoes, Gary. So your audiobook this week is titled Board Shorts and Dress Shoes. You got a problem with me? Huh? You got a problem? Gary, it looks like you're picking a fight out there, man. Byron, you know, the time, I, there's not a lot of time in the day. Um, you know, you think about we go grocery shopping, we go to the drugstore, we go pick our kids up at school, we could take the dog for a walk. All those times is a great time to work on your jujitsu. Most people think walking a dog, you're going to relieve a little bit of stress, you're going to have a happy dog, and you might burn a couple calories if you're trying to uh, get in a different weight class. And, you know, people will say that's, you know, the reason. I'm walking the dog, um, but I've come up with a whole new way to do every task around the house, not even around the house, at work, uh, just any time during the day, if you dress a little strange, and, and we're talking about ankle tube socks and dress shoes with board shorts, plus I do have some thick glasses that I wear, and I I have a receding hairline. You put all those together and people are going to stare. People are going to laugh. People are going to make fun of you. But you know why that's good, Byron? No, I don't. I can practice jiu-jitsu any place, anywhere. I get threatened all the time dressed like that. There's nothing better than getting threatened at the grocery store. I mean, what a better place to practice technique. You know, somebody threatens me, and I put them in an armbar. Why is that so good that I put somebody in an armbar at the grocery store, Byron? Uh, because uh, they might uh, give you a discount on your groceries? I don't know, Carrie. No. If I hurt them, we go over to the frozen pea aisle, and I bring, <laughs> you know, frozen vegetables, and I put them on his arm. That way I don't hurt him worse. And a lot of times, you know, they will realize how great of an art this is and they will sign up for your class what's the what's the main thing we've been trying to do with this podcast we're trying to grow the sport of jiu-jitsu so the more bullies 
I can beat up because I dress funny. More people I can get, you know, show the art to and hopefully get them training. And it doesn't just happen in the grocery store. Same thing if we go to the to the drugstore. If I go in the drugstore and somebody starts laughing, same thing. I can put them to sleep, but the great thing about a drugstore is they have smelling salts. I can wake them up really quick. And then let's say they do have bruises or hematomas. We've got aspirin. We've got ibuprofen. We've got cold packs there. So, I mean, it works perfect, Byron. Gary, I, I don't know why we're not all grappling in these stores already. I mean, it's, it seems ridiculous that we're going to, to gyms with mats and not uh, mixing it up in the produce section or the frozen food aisle. Gary, I think you're on to something here. Yeah, but, you know, I, I am trying to think about a way that I could carry, you know, a 10 by 10 dollar mirror roll-up mat with me. Um, I haven't figured that out yet, but I think that would be great because it would reduce a little bit of injuries on my side. Sometimes pulling guard or jumping guard, you know, on a tile floor can lead to some injuries for myself. And and I'm not looking to injure myself. I'm just looking to uh, injure the people making fun of me because of my dress shoes and board shorts. Gary, it brings to my mind the time you actually uh, jumped guard on the 87-year-old woman who was just commenting on your shoes. She wasn't making fun of you. And uh, you ended up uh, having to take her to the frozen peas section. Well, the hard part on that one was she had a walker. So when I actually had to jump guard, I had to make sure my legs got around the walker. And, I mean, that was tough. It wasn't wasn't easy. And when I say walker, I'm talking about one of those metal cages with the wheels on it, not like one of the walkers from uh, The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, not a pet walker. Yeah, just to clarify. A lot of times those walkers will have little tennis balls on them, uh, talking about the things that help you walk, not the not the uh, walking dead walkers. You got that right, Barn. Yeah, they do have <laughs> tennis balls on them. Yeah. Good you, call. Yeah. If you see the tennis balls on the uh, walking dead, kick them right there. That's your best bet, Gary. Yeah, I think so. But definitely, <laughs> so you do want to check out uh, check out this audio book. And, and it's just a good way to uh, get more training time in um, no matter where you go. And hopefully, we'll grow the sport of jiu-jitsu that way. So definitely check it out. You know, it's, it's going to be out here soon, uh, probably never. But uh, if it does come out, check it out. Gary, we had a great visit of our friend Jason stop by. How could somebody uh, train with us? Uh, if you want to train with us, just send us a message at bjjbrick at gmail.com. We're in the air capital of the United States, uh, Wichita, Kansas. So if you happen to uh, come out this way, let us know, and uh, we'll see if we can get some training time in. Absolutely. What do we have next week, my friend? Byron, we have a very special guest next week. We have Sarah Durat um, going to be on the show. and uh, So it is going to be awesome. You do not want to miss it. We are excited to bring you that interview. Uh, As always, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to wear board shorts with dress shoes. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. All right, my friend. little note here. Uh, after we got in recording, the episode went great, I thought. I needed to find a picture to represent the topic of your speed and jiu-jitsu. So I was looking around and trying to figure out what to use, and I came upon the movie poster for Speed. 
Well, that stars Keanu Reeves, and I ended up switching out Keanu Reeves' face for Gary's face. And uh, he has no idea this is on there, uh, as of when this comes out anyway. So swing by the website and look for episode 184, or look in the show notes, and you'll see Gary as uh, the main actor in the movie Speed. And just a little, little, I guess, tiny prank that uh, I'm pulling on him here after the episode's actually recorded. So uh, that's kind of fun as well. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>